Welcome to God, the Bible, and Spiritual Things Explained, where you get insight surrounding God, the Bible, and spiritual things that you may or may not have heard before. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, God's Child. Today, we're talking about something Jesus did that some would call Jesus rude for doing. That's why I say we need to ask, what did Jesus do? Instead of what would Jesus do? Because most people who ask that haven't even read for themselves everything Jesus actually did as recorded in the Gospels. So what was it that he did that might throw some for a loop and be ready to cancel him? He some, baby. That's right. And for those who need to stand the vernacular, that means Jesus ignored some folk straight up heard what they said and didn't respond to whatever was said exactly and for good reasons think i'm lying well if you do i'm gonna need you to read the whole gospels and nothing but the gospel so help yourself to god however i'm gonna go ahead and show you right quick and you can truth check that's right truth check me by the scriptures and with that let's get it Exhibit A of Jesus' Egan is found in John 5, verses 2 through 9, which reads, Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porticos. In these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. Now a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there, And knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. This one was mainly about focus and mission. Jesus was all about the Father's, aka God's business, and anything outside of that, he didn't waste energy or time on. His time in his human body while on earth was short, so he was all about doing what was beneficial and productive, what was in line with what he was blessed and equipped to do by the Father. And he was blessed and equipped to heal, which was part of his mission here, to demonstrate it could be done and was available to us by God. You see, When he saw the man in the state he was in, he didn't ask how he got that way, why he hadn't been healed or anything else before that particular moment they were in. For one, he already knew, like his daddy who knows all things, and nothing could be done to change the past which was irrelevant to that moment, as his focus was just to heal the man if he wanted to be. However, the man was on another tip. Instead of answering Jesus' question by saying whether he wanted to be healed or not, he began blaming others and pitying himself by relinquishing his power that was given to us by God to be healed. And that is exactly what the world wants us to do. Have you heard people who just complain and cry about situations? 
although they could do something about it or change their response to it. And some may say, I only want you to listen to me, to hear me, not to offer a solution or help. The world has really convinced people this is okay. And they'll get mad if you don't do what they want. Basically, let them complain and relinquish their power, believing it empowers them when they do, which is so backwards. And Jesus went about that life. He was about doing something. So he egged the man's complaining and pity party as to the reason he wasn't healed. He acted as if he didn't even say it and instead spoke to his power to change, to be healed by telling him to get up, pick up your bed and walk, which the man did and was healed. The world would have said Jesus wasn't empathetic or was insensitive to the man by not acknowledging or indulging him in what he said by saying something like, Oh yeah, them people was wrong for not helping you. Or you been sick so long. Jesus ain't had no time for that. He focused on what could be done right then. And that was healing. Jesus wanted him to see it wasn't dependent upon others, nor on the one-time event of stepping in a pool first at the right time, which was unpredictable. So in this story, we see Jesus had moments where he egged what was irrelevant to his mission and focused on what he was blessed and equipped to do in situations. Exhibit B of Jesus's egging is found in John 8 verses 1 through 11 and it's one of my favorites. It reads, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning, he came again into the temple area, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery, and after placing her in the center of the courtyard, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Now, they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the courtyard. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go. From now on, don't sin any longer. This one was mainly about ulterior motives. Jesus, who knew all things, knew that the only reason they asked him what they did was to get him to say something they could accuse him of. 
They knew his previous teachings and how he had said he came not to condemn, but to save. He was the New Testament. Through him, grace was made available to us for our sins, which was contrary to the harsh punishments that were given for certain sins according to the Old Testament or law. Therefore, according to the old law, the woman was supposed to be stoned. And if he spoke anything else giving her grace, they'd accuse him of violating the law had grounds to take him, which could be why he stooped on the ground and wrote, signifying they had no grounds to stand on. But you see how he egged them when they first asked. Child, he let their words and accusations reverb in their ears. He only answered them later because they kept on nagging him. But you see, he intentionally egged them and waited before he said something. And not even answering the question, but pulling the rug from right under him by saying, sure, go ahead and stone her. Starting with the ones that have never ever seen. Child, it was over with. You see, they walked away, don't you? They knew the deal, cause not one of them was sinless. And if they tried to perpetrate like they was, I sure think they would have committed their first sin at the time they was lurking, watching this lady and whoever she was having sex with, with a nasty, perverted, demented selves. Hmm. Jesus straight shut them down. And you get to see Isaiah 54 verse 17, which says, No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And you will condemn every tongue that accuses you in judgment. As they were just using the woman's sin as a pawn and they schemed to get Jesus to say something they could accuse him of. The whole situation was meant to be a weapon against Jesus. But you see how it was turned on them, <laughs> like the word says, with Jesus condemning everyone on for himself and the woman, making them not only aware of one sin, like they were pointing out the woman's one sin and trying to get Jesus to say something so they could finally have one sin to accuse him of, but making them aware of their many sins because they had to think about it when he told them to cast a stone if they had none. Child, some people never learn that God ain't none to play with and neither is Jesus. He had to let them know. Fools, who psyched you up to play fool, fool, fools? Your accusation now condemning you. Your whole plot you had done fell, fell through. Oh. Throwing this woman at my feet, shaming her to entrap me now. Oh. You was exposed from the jump, is why I chose not to answer the first time. See. I'm eager you, you're crazy, mm-hmm, I know about your plan, mm-hmm, you thought that it would stick, but it was a miss, the writing's in the sand, mm-hmm, I'm eager you, you're crazy, mm-hmm, cause you were so uncool, mm-hmm, you thought that it'd be fun, Played yourself a fool, now you the end of you, mm-hmm. I'm making you, you crazy, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I 
present to you exhibit C of Jesus' egging found in Matthew 27, verses 11 through 14. And it reads, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, So you are the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not offer any answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? And still, he did not answer him in regard to even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 says that there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. And this is one of those times for silence. Jesus didn't have to defend himself, which is why he egged their accusations and said nothing in response. It's not such an easy thing for us to do, especially when we're being lied on, but a part of why Jesus came to live on earth like us was to demonstrate what could be done. And he showed that in such moments, we don't have to try to defend ourselves against accusations from the enemy, who is called the accuser of the brethren in the word. God the Father is our defense. And after all, to show you just how cray-cray the enemy is. He was accusing Jesus through those coming against him in order to condemn him and have him killed. So why would they want him to defend himself to prove they were lying to possibly get off? That's just as illogical as illogical gets. But if you don't know by now, the enemy and all those doing wickedness usually operate illogically. The other thing is that Jesus willingly went with them when they came to take him into custody because it was the actual time for him to do what he came to do, which was sacrifice his life for hours so that all would have the chance to be saved. So although the enemy didn't quite know this was the ultimate plan, Jesus did. So of course, he wouldn't try to defend himself against their lies because he would have won. Being he was truth, which meant they wouldn't have anything to prove he was guilty and no way to crucify him. Hence, he wouldn't have been in position to give up his life as a sacrifice. Duh! Child, the enemy crazy. There you have it. Proof that Jesus egged some is evidenced by the scriptures. He did it for different reasons, but showed like Ecclesiastes says that sometimes we just need to be quiet, including ignoring some questions or things thrown at us. And to know which ones we need to utilize the discernment and wisdom we have available through Holy Spirit. And in order to have Holy Spirit in us, we must be saved. So for those of us who are, use it. And to those who aren't saved yet, but want to be so you can be like Jesus knowing when it's best to egg some. Hang on to a little further in the episode for an invitation to receive salvation. And if you want to know a bit more about it, check out the episode title, What Must We Really Do to Be Saved? So to answer the question, what did Jesus do? He 
seek some people because sometimes it's the best thing to do. And guess what? He said we could do the same things he did, which is why he came to demonstrate what was possible for us to do through his life while on earth. So, um, baby, use your discernment to know when you need to egg some. <laughs> but don't just take my word for it. I encourage you to do your own study, pray, and read the Bible so you can know that you know that you know. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in order to receive eternal salvation but would like to, according to Romans chapter 10 verse 9, all you have to do is confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Want a little help with that? Repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord God, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again so that I may have eternal life in you. So I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. It's as simple as that. Now you're part of the family of God. Wherever you are, find a local church or a group of believers that can help and support you on your new journey in your new life in Christ Jesus. Many blessings to you as you walk in who God created you to be, doing what he blessed and equipped you to do. You are God's child. Want to bless or show support for God, the Bible, and spiritual things explained? Well, you're welcome to send a financial gift to Cash App using cash tag G-T-B-S-T-E. You're also invited to pick up a little inspired merch from our store at zazzle.com forward slash store forward slash G-T-B-S-T-E. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with other listeners. Thank you in advance. And God bless you as he blesses those who bless his children. Catch you another time, another day, another episode for God, the Bible, and Spiritual Things Explained.